Welcome to What Does This Mean?, a discussion of the Bible passages Lutherans and many other Christians read in church. Today, we'll read some ominous warnings about the end times and hear encouraging words about God's promise to give us strength. We're so glad you've joined us. I am Pastor Javen Swanson. I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer. And we're the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. For the next few minutes, we're going to be discussing the readings that are assigned for this coming Sunday. Um, we think this is really fun and also helpful for us as we think about preparing our sermons and getting ready for Sunday. But also, we hope that it helps all of us just um, dive more deeply into the Word and think about how God might be speaking through these ancient texts to all of us today. During this second season of our podcast, we've been inviting special guests to join us each week. And this week, our special guest is Karen Earhuff, who is Gloria Day's office coordinator. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Um, I live in Shoreview with my husband, and we have been married for 25 years this year. Um, I live in the neighborhood that I grew up in. So I live 400 feet from where I was brought home from the hospital. Tell us some of the places you've worked before you came to Gloria Day. Just prior to coming to Gloria Day, I worked at Bradshaw Funeral Home right across the street. It used to be right across the street. I worked there for about three years. Prior to that, I worked for 32 years at what was Northwestern Bell, now is CenturyLink. Um, I had a variety of jobs there over the years, but most of them were managers. I was a supervisor for about 30 of those 32 years. Um, so I had kind of a broad range of jobs. The last job I had was in the payphone division, which no one knows what payphones are anymore. If you show them to a kid, they don't have the foggiest idea what to do with them. I've and heard of them. Yeah, you've heard of them, I'm sure. <laughs> and that department was finally being downsized and closed out, and that's we were actually all really laid off from the company at that point. And you are active at Gloria Day because you're there all day on Monday through Friday, but you are an active member of another congregation. Yes, the Lutheran Church of Resurrection in Roseville. Nice church. Wonderful Very church. Very nice church. Mm -hmm. So tell us what you do at Gloria Day as our office coordinator. Um, as the office coordinator, I answer the phone. I greet people who come in the door. I get bulletins prepared for the week. I like to say that I'm in charge of keeping all the pastors in line. <laughs> Which How's more that going? How's that going? <laughs> Most of the time it works out, but sometimes some of them give me a little grief. Um, so it's kind of an overall coordination of sort of everything that happens in the church. I think of you as the voice and the heart of the office because you're often the first person that people see and you bring such joy and life to our office. You make it fun most days. So um, Karen has a little set usually of wind-up toys. They change with the season, but when you come in, if you need just to, you know, relax. Right. You can and more that. recently, the M&M dispenser. Right. That's the Which gives you one M&M at a time. <laughs> so That's you have to stand there a while. struggle. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
I've seen people take the lid off the M&M container and take a whole handful of M&Ms fairly recently. I, I don't know. cannot imagine I wouldn't that. mention any names. Let's move on. <laughs> Pastor Lois, would you read our first reading for today? Yes, the first reading comes from Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 2a. Again, that just means it's the first part of verse 2. So it's a short little reading. They were afraid this reading was going to be too long, so they decided, they let's leave off the beach. Off. <laughs> See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. This verse to me sounds like there's a big contrast with people who are evildoers and people who revere God's name. Does it have to be such a stark contrast? Mm, That's good. This uh, was written after the people of Israel were in captivity in Babylon. They were able to return to Jerusalem. So now they've come home and there's a a big effort to renew the understanding of what Judaism is going to look like, the ancient Judaism there in, uh, in Jerusalem, how we will worship, how we will govern ourselves, how we will understand and teach the law to one another. And so there was a, an emphasis on saying, get it right, do the right thing. And if you read the rest of the book of Malachi, you'll hear um, descriptions of feed the hungry, help the poor, help the widow, help the orphan, help the sojourner in your midst, the, the refugees, worship God, lead worship correctly, uh, don't abuse the gifts that you've been given. So at this point, I think the prophet is really frustrated with those people who simply say, well, we're back in Jerusalem, we can do anything we want. And he has harsh words for them, um, but reminding the people over and over again that God's love will reign, the, this beautiful image of the sunrise with healing in its wings, the, the sun of righteousness will dawn again. But what I love about your question, I actually think it's a great way to read a lot of pieces of scripture like this that um, are in such stark language. A few weeks ago, we read a reading where it's blessed are these and woe to these. And it's just that occurs so often. And I I think one of the ways to kind of take scripture in is to say, how am I both of these? You know, rather than trying to identify who's in what box, you know, how do we end up in both of these places, you know, and that's kind of a good Lutheran way of thinking of things. Luther liked to say that we were both saint and sinner at the same time. And when you try to pull those apart is when you kind of get into trouble. And at least that always rings true in my own experience of faith. And this kind of leads up to my another question I had was, if if Lutherans believe in sinner and saint, aren't we a little bit of both? And what happens to those of us who aren't all good or all bad. I love those questions. And I think it made me think not just of the 
Lutheran saint and sinner idea, but also like our welcome to the table at Gloria Day at communion when we say, so come those of you who have great faith and those of you who wish you had more. Come those of you who have tried to follow Jesus and those of you who have failed. And what I love about that is that most of us are both of those things at the same time. Most of us have tried to follow Jesus and have failed. Most of us do have great faith and wish we had more. And I love that both those things, at least for me, feel true about me all at the same time. So Karen, your question about like, do we really need to divide the bad people from the good people like this passage does so starkly? I don't even think it's that realistic. I think it's, we're all a kind of muddle of all of those things. We hardly ever meet somebody that we can say they're completely all bad. There's nothing good about them or vice versa. Someone that's so good that you never, ever find anything that irritates you or bothers you about them. Or the people who are, who we do think are terrible when we actually get to know a little bit about what's going on with them. We realize, oh, it's more complicated than I realize. I can't just reduce them to evil. One of the other things we do with scripture from our kind of American individualist perspective on things, we always hear the you in biblical passages as singular. So we're thinking about individuals, but I think often the Bible is talking collectively. It's talking to a group of people. And I actually take some comfort in that because if God is looking at all of us, um, it's not just up to me. I'm part of a community where on any given Sunday, maybe I'm the doubter, but the person behind me is strong that morning and or and the next week it's it's the opposite and god sees all of that and sees us all together we always have to hear these old testament prophets too when they're speaking judgment to remember that the purpose of god's judgment always is redemption that it's to do something new, to put things right. So judgment doesn't exist without redemption and resurrection built into it. God doesn't destroy. God builds. We're all really tired of a world that is unjust. This shouldn't necessarily come as like, oh, no, I'm going to be judged and damned or something. But I think we should actually hear it as God God shares our frustration with the injustice of the world, and God has a plan to bring that to an end and usher in the kingdom of God that is peace and justice, and that's what our future is. Why don't we take a quick break? Second reading is from the book of Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Now, we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. 
we were not idle when we were there with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. So you say here, Pastor Bradley, anyone who does not work shall not eat. It seems like a really bold statement. And how does this relate to the people that are legitimately unemployed and underemployed today, trying to get by and feed themselves and their families? And how do we not feed these people that show up at our doorstep? Well, first of all, let me say, this was not Pastor Bradley's word. <laughs> <laughs> the word of the Lord, this, but not. This is Paul. Um, and um, and uh, I, th- I, I think you're really right in raising this issue because this text has been used in all kinds of negative ways to, to judge those who are – hungry or for one reason or another are idle or can't work. If you look at the entirety of Scripture, you see all kinds of ways of dealing with the hungry, some of which are quite opposite of this, where Jesus says at one point, if anyone begs from you, give them something, you know, and he's saying, don't worry about their context, just give them what they need, feed them. And there's lots of verses in Scripture that say that. Maybe we have to take this a little bit out of the American political landscape and make this, you know, that this is – Paul is not commenting on government programs here. Uh, I think it's helpful to think about the context in which Paul is writing. Paul is writing a couple decades after – Jesus, and everyone's expecting Jesus's second coming, his return to be like any day now. And so a lot of people were just sort of mailing it in like, eh, what's the point? Like Jesus is going to come soon anyway. We don't actually need to do anything. Um, Let's just bide our time. And so- Party. Yeah. So Paul's really speaking into that saying, don't just be idle. And if you're going to be idle, you're not going to get to eat. You know, like he's- um, which is a totally different context than, Karen, what you were naming, which is people in our own world today who, for whatever reason, can't work, aren't working, and speaking words of condemnation to them. Right. He's not talking about poor people or people that are disabled, can't work, or something like that for any reason. He's talking about people that are perfectly capable of helping the community move forward, maybe in feeding the hungry, maybe exactly in doing these things. And they're just sitting there saying, well, Jesus is going to come anyway, so I don't really have to do anything. Right. This doesn't even really say if these are poor people that are being criticized. These could be people who are so wealthy, they don't have to work. And so they're just in their kind of their 
idleness of wealth. They, they're not feeling like they have to contribute anything to the good of the community. They've already earned their ease. So I think you can hear this passage from a variety of standpoints. But I think, uh, Pastor Lois, you're right on that I think what Paul is mainly interested in here is how do we all contribute to the good, the life of the whole community? And we all play a part of that, whether we're employed or not. You know, even if you're not working, you can still do something for the good of all. I actually think this is one of the challenges with a theology that says, in the end, Jesus comes to save the world. And so let's just all like, let's make sure everyone is saved, you know, that their souls are saved. And that's like, that's our work as Christians. Paul in this passage is always speaking against that theology that says our job is just to wait it out until Jesus comes. I think what Paul is really saying is, no, you got to get to work. We got to keep, we got to keep forming Christian community, being Christian community until Jesus comes. Yeah. We have a group at Gloria Day called Third Chapter, and uh, mostly they're people who are relatively recently retired. They've finished, quote unquote, their work. Um, but their the second inter- chapter. Yeah, that, right. Their interest, though, is in how do they invest in life now? What's the good that their experience, uh, their wisdom bring to the world? These are not people who are just retiring and saying, okay, now I'm going to be idle. idle. Mm. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with the gospel. Welcome back. Our gospel reading is from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. 
So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This sounds like a lot like our world today, earthquakes, famines, climate change. And you say that we shouldn't plan ahead, that words will just pop into our head when we're put to the test. But if I really think about this, can I really rely on the fact that the right words will pop into my head? What if I'm dumbstruck by the test, that I cannot think of the words to say? What if I'm led astray by an imposter, like verse 7 says? My Facebook account had an imposter. <laughs> Let's just talk about Facebook. That would be easier. <laughs> wow, those are good questions, Karen. I think this is uh, dressing the fear and anxiety that we experience because we see things falling apart. I think you can be totally captured by despair and fear and worry, and I think that's what Luke is saying about giving the testimonies, that if we're just in that anxiety and fear, we're not going to find the words. But if we can somehow find a deeper place to stand, we will find better words to say. I sort of wonder if the sort of ominous signs that are mentioned here haven't always been present throughout time, throughout history, that ever since Jesus said these words, Anyone reading them later could say, wow, this sounds a lot like our own time today. And if that isn't actually the point, that we're always living in a world that is broken, that is teetering on catastrophe, and we're all looking toward a future where that is undone and things are at peace. When we talk about the end times, usually we think about these things. But I think Jesus wants us to be thinking of the kingdom of God when we think about end times. That yeah. That's actually the vision that is out there for yeah, us. Yeah, I think that's the key part is this, all of these things, this is an opportunity to testify. This is a chance to speak something different than destruction and judgment and, you know, damnation. This is a chance to speak of What's even more true, God's love, God's light, God's presence. And rather than just hunker down, close in our, you know, close down our little worlds, but to kind of step out there and speak to a different reality than most people are experiencing. And the people, if they saw their temple fall apart when, when he's walking through the temple and seeing the stones and beautiful jewels, the way it's been adorned, that's going to fall apart. Jesus predicts that. And maybe maybe this gospel was actually written after it had hap happened. So they knew, yeah, it really does happen. This is going to be horrible. That is a symbol to us of the things that we see in our community that we think, oh, if that falls apart, if the institution of family falls apart, if the understanding of democracy falls apart, we will be crushed. There won't be anything that can ever happen. We just were destroyed. God's ways have been destroyed. And I think this promise is that 
things will change. Things will fall apart in a way that we can't predict or can't imagine. Those don't get to define the future. God will get to define the future with God's reign and God's um, way of behaving. Even if our family falls apart, people hate us within our family. That description at the end is so crushing to me. And to say, you know, your your father, your brothers, your friends will hate you. But (laughs) even those institutions don't get to define you. Finally, God's love is the only thing that will really define us for forever. And somehow there will be, again, healing in God's, you know, the the son of righteousness' wings that come to us, that there will be healing that we can't even imagine. And I sound always sound like a little bit of a broken record saying this, but I think any time judgment, the end times, this kind of language is in Scripture, the point of it is to encourage the faithful to hope and perseverance um, and courage. It's not to slam you down when everything seems bad and this just says, well, you know, all the bad stuff, that's God making it happen you to you. You deserve that. You deserve that. Yeah. I think that is not good news that we proclaim. That's not what the church is called to testify. And But unfortunately, it's often what the church has said to people. You're going to get what you deserve. And I think that's true, but it's love. It's a place in paradise. That's what God thinks we deserve. So what do you think is the difference between between reckless irresponsibility and faithful planning? Well, and I think there's that one uh, passage about the Holy Spirit speaking through us um, deeper than words. So I think even the moments when we are stunned and speechless and don't know how to go forward or what to say or how to make our case, the Holy Spirit is already speaking to God within us, that those moments don't break our connection with the loving God. And when we are deeply connected to God, the words will come. Like when we're deeply rooted in God, all of that just follows. But if we think that we can prepare our 53 talking points in advance so that we're ready for anything, then when the 54th thing happens and we're not prepared, you know, but if we if we just stand in God's love and mercy and trust that the words are going to come, I, that's almost how I hear this passage. I think this should be our little mission statement for the office. What did you call it? The find the line between reckless irresponsibility and faithful planning. Right. That's exactly. our, That's what we're trying to do in the office. <laughs> like when it comes time for Holy Week, don't bother to send us the deadlines for bulletins this year. We'll right. just those words will just come when we're ready to give yeah, them to right. you. Right, and just trust that it's going to be okay. I think that's what Tim always tells me. He's waiting for the Holy Spirit to move him. Right. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us today. Thank all of you for joining us. Um, We're interested to hear from you what you think all of this means. We hope that you'll drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. We also hope you'll rate the podcast and leave a review on whatever service you use for your podcasts. Thank you to Karen Earhoff for joining us today. Thank you also to our assistant music director, Paul Friesen-Carper, for providing the music for us, and to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasting for producing these podcasts for us. Join us for worship every Sunday at either 8.15 or 10.45 a.m. with Sunday School for All Ages at 9.30 a.m. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you. God loves you. 
and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.